You're listening to The Top Floor, a podcast featuring critical conversations around property management, community associations, and real estate investing. I'm your host, Sean Forster, an industry trend researcher at Appfolio. Once a month, we embark on a narrative journey into the height of industry disruption. And with the help of thought leaders and change makers, we bring you the insider knowledge that's fueling our industry's future. Now let's turn it over to Megan, who will take us through today's episode. Welcome, listeners, to Season 2 of the Top Floor Podcast. During a year characterized by change, a number of forces have set in motion industry-wide shifts that point towards a new workplace paradigm, one that demands a more human approach to leadership. Now more than ever, leaders need to understand how their team members, stakeholders, investors, and property owners communicate differently. And there's greater emphasis on leaders to build a company culture that opens space for teams to perform at their best. This is happening in every industry, but we're here to find out how it's impacting real estate with a special emphasis on residential property management, community association management, and investment management. Today on the top floor, we're revisiting the topic of growth and leadership, which listeners might remember was also how we kicked off the very first episode of season one last year. We wanted to come back to this topic, not only to add to our discussion, this more human approach to leadership that's emerged over the past year, but also to throw into the mix how technology is a factor. That's because at the intersection of leadership and tech is a drive to create human-focused change. So let's get into it. COVID, I think, has exacerbated it to a certain degree or to a great degree. I like to quote an economist that's on a lot of podcasts, and he's also on CNN Times. And his phrase several months ago was, let's never let a good pandemic go to waste. And what he meant by that was, let's not take everything that we've learned about ourselves, good and bad, and lots of it bad, and let's not just forget about it. Guiding us into this conversation is Neil Cadman. Neil is the president of the Cadman Group, a boutique, full-service commercial and residential property management group in Southern California. And the way that I look at that is, you know, whether you get a shot in your arm or you're not, Once we're past this, and as we seem to be sort of the lion's share getting past this right now, let's not forget what happened over the past 12, 14 months. And let's identify what we really, I mean, for humanity and society, not to get, you know, sort of all 30,000 feet on you, but we really learned a lot about human frailties. And I think we always knew them, but now they became front and center. And my hope is that we don't sweep those under the rug and just go back to normal. I hope that there's a new normalcy. And I think that we always need to take a positive out of something. And what I've learned over the past 14 months, personally, many things about how I view how I viewed society and people and, and the world, is I've really taken a look at making sure I think more that the people around me feel supported and that I feel supported by the people around me. I think that's something that really COVID has done, whether it's impacted you in the obvious ways of employment or health. I think that we've all, it's one of those things that has impacted every single person and unfortunately has made the disparity or the divide amongst us much greater. And I hope that we keep recognizing that. And I I recognize that in staff as well, is the importance of making sure that people are well. And I just think that COVID has just maybe driven that point home 
to me at least more, and it seems as though it's done to many of us. And as we think about what entering the next normal means, it's clear that many elements of our employee experience, the way we navigate and work with each other and our customers has totally changed. Amy Miller is Appfolio's chief marketing officer. But as the saying goes, the only thing that's constant is change. And we could recognize that this is really the next normal, not the new normal. We're not done changing. And we have this great opportunity to embrace the digital transformation that's happening all around us. You know, remote work and these hybrid workplaces, how we all communicate, how we present to each other is absolutely transformed. And we know that this change is here to stay. So we want to point out that strong company cultures aren't always willed into being. They're fostered by strong leaders and coworkers, especially at organizations where team connection is a priority. As Amy says, you can't just sit back, relax, and hope that your culture is going to be fantastic. But your concept here is just to take a minute and think about what are the culture drivers in your business and what are the culture blockers? You know, one of the things that can happen in businesses, especially as teams are focused and working really hard, is to operate in silos. And one of the opportunities for, for a culture driver is to think about how everyone aligns around outcomes and how that becomes really an important aspect of how your leadership thinks about moving your business forward. Who among us hasn't operated in our own self-contained bubble? Even on the healthiest teams, pressure to work, work, work can push us inwards to block out what's around us and focus on the task at hand. But that's where teams fall out of alignment on project goals and outcomes. One way to push against this impulse is to insert reminders of a company's mission, a tactic we learned from Brooks Baskin, the CEO and founder of California-based property management company, To Be Living. The general theme that has been really helpful for us is that is to connect the day-to-day of what we're doing with the mission of the company. And I think it's a lot of times we hear about culture and we immediately in our head go to interacting with each other or doing entertaining or having perks at the company. And and those things are important, but I, I really view that those are almost, they're sort of extensions of your culture. Those aren't what make up your culture. And I think it it's never more obvious that when you take away a lot of the things that make those things easy, like being in the office or being around each other, a lot of companies, especially ones that have struggled, they basically don't have anything to fall back on. And so for us, we really lean into how important it is what we do. We're managing housing. So through one set of eyes, you can say, okay, you do property management, you do move-ins, you do move-outs, you collect rent. But the truth is what, what we're responsible for is people's housing where they live, which I think in the middle of the pandemic, it's not only where they lived, it's where people were teaching their kids, it's where everyone's working at home. And so for us, what we we said, listen, this is really important work that we do. And it's it's vital to our day-to-day lives going. And the response we had from our team was incredible. It was like, you're absolutely right. I'm excited to go to work every day, right? I'm excited to go fix that problem in someone's unit because it means a lot more than just that. And a wonderful starting point is your values. We talk a lot about our values. We talk about our culture being rooted in our values. Now, of course, everything's changed. We're not in the office today, but we do continue to bring forward and connect the dots with our values. So we talk about listening to customers being in our DNA. We bring everybody back to these values and we encourage people to find ways that they're living them and enacting them in each and every customer interaction. 
it has changed. Here's Neil Cadman again. I would say that we are a much more employee need aware or awareness type of company. We find that we talk about employee wellness just as much as productivity. We're continually talking to people about how are you, and not just because of COVID, but I think long-term that I've always felt that happy staff produce better. And and still the bottom line, as you say, is going to be the most important thing when you're a client-oriented business. But I think that we make a much more dedicated approach to making sure that people are fine, people feel empowered, people feel respected, and they feel as though they're doing something of value. And that is something that has not always been there. And so I find that our employees want that, and we make sure that we give that to them as best as we can. Offering her own insights into how an organization can better meet their employees' needs is Christy Dobbins, who's the Director of Product Management at Grace Hill a South Carolina-based provider of tech-enabled solutions for real estate and property management companies. Christy takes up this conversation from the point of view of leadership. What comes to mind first is, fortunately, I've been involved in a lot of change over various organizations I've worked with and many different teams that I've led. And what I do know about change is it can be very difficult, even in the best of times, even when it's well-planned, you're not in a stressful situation. There's not a global pandemic going on. (laughs) And so, you know, it's hard already, but in 2020, we were really forced into these immediate changes and, and there was a lot of unknown factors. There were a lot of high stress, high tension going on both professionally and personally. And so what really was important was understanding that this didn't require just effective change management, you know, having procedures in place to, to implement the change and, and knowing what who was going to do what, but really to focus on change leadership. Remember this term, change leadership is going to be central to this conversation. And change leadership, you know, to me is a much more proactive, people-centric approach to change where your your focus is on influencing uh, other folks, right? Influencing them towards that vision, that common vision, and then making sure that you bring a lot of agility and plan for adapting because change leadership is typically most critical when you're dealing with change initiatives that are going to be especially difficult uh, or, or very large issues. And in this case, you know, we had to put it into practice a lot in 2020. And I think that focus on change leadership just really showed me how impactful that can be even for smaller change initiatives. It's something that we need to infuse into leadership on an ongoing basis. One of the most foundational aspects of change leadership, and a more human approach to leadership in general, Christy says, is being available as a leader. Check in, get feedback, all of that, and and really just be there, be available for your team. And especially in 2020, that was more challenging than maybe most times because there was so much virtual. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was difficult to get on site. That always makes it a little bit harder to to have those relationships and also just kind of keep your thumb on the pulse. Christy wasn't the only industry expert to impress upon us the importance of communication to a more human approach to leadership. Adding to this is Joanne Chapman Reps, a principal at D2 Demand, a Colorado-based industry firm focused on revenue optimization in multifamily, single-family rentals, and senior living. 
It's always been a challenge communicating, but I think even more in the world we're in today. So thinking about transparency, the messages we're sending, the frequency with which we're reaching out to the teams and including various levels of leadership. And in fact, I read a study recently that I think oftentimes even more senior leaders have had an opportunity to connect with teams in it, which I think the teams really appreciate because they get to hear and, and see what's going on in, in maybe a different way than they did. And thinking about ways we can do that, town halls, virtual roundtables, so that we can get feedback and provide more frequent messaging. On top of challenges to effective communication, Many leaders also struggled with aspects of the hiring process during and even after the pandemic, the biggest factor being remote work. Here, Joanne offers strategies to overcome them. When we think about this past year, the widespread adoption of work from home is really changing the teams that we hire, the way that they communicate with themselves and with us, and and even the office space where they work. This is true for various roles within an organization, both from the leasing teams to our support functions. And it's something that we should keep in mind for talent acquisition strategies. So the first thing to consider when thinking of talent is the role that you're hiring for. So in this instance, it's not just about the role of the past, but think about what you want for the future in that role. The next thing to consider is the onboarding experience. And I think we can all probably recall a negative onboarding experience that might look something like, here are the keys, good luck. And so certainly we want it to look nothing like that. When done right, technology solutions empower organizations to facilitate a digital work environment that meets their team's needs. And there's no better evidence of this than the work from home movement, which was accelerated by the recent pandemic. Here's Neil. Well, oddly enough, we decided that we wanted to be a flexible remote working company about three or four years ago. And we identified that everyone needed to have a company mobile device. We were shifting from desktops to laptops. The cost of printers and scanners had become so low that we thought to ourselves, okay, how can we make people feel more empowered by having the ability to choose? And I have this, as you can imagine, I have a lot of ridiculous statements. My staff, if they heard me saying this, they would just roll their eyes or shake their head, especially my children, if they heard me say this kind of stuff. And I've always, for some reason, used Fiji as an example. My example was, I don't care if you're in Fiji. If you can get your work done, be in Fiji. More power to you. It's about work. Brooks has also guided his team through this shift. So I think one of the most interesting ones in everyone's business, but in property management in particular, is that even before the pandemic, we weren't in a 100% of the team working in the office environment to begin with, whether it's your maintenance team or maybe your scattered property managers are in the field. And so to me, we took what was already kind of a partial, flexible, remote work arrangement. And now we've obviously layered on a lot of the trends that have happened through the pandemic. So we as a company happen to think working together and being in the same room, sharing ideas is really important, but we're sort of fighting almost a, a new battle for some companies that's already been around for property management. And so I think it's sort of holding on to the human interaction in the office that it's sort of an uphill battle, it feels like right now. Naturally, because employees can work from anywhere, hiring practices have had to evolve. 
Angela Garrison, Executive Vice President of Development at GSF Properties, has wrestled with the challenges of finding the right employees, who may become the face of a company. What this means for leaders is that they need to go beyond a simple checklist when hiring and even rethink the hiring process itself. Finding the right talent is an ever-present challenge because it's such an important decision. It's it's the most important decision that we make, who we're going to let in those gates because it impacts the customer experience and, of course, the employee experience, depending on who we bring on to the team. So we're starting with the basics. We are reviewing the positions. We're determining when that new position comes available. Is the way that it's currently structured meeting the needs of the business today and the future needs? Or does there need to be some sort of modification to that? An obvious change to finding talent is the way that our hiring managers are interviewing. They're interviewing via Zoom or they're interviewing in person and both people are wearing masks. And that presents challenges, uh, you know, in itself. You're, you're missing a lot of that body language. It can be very difficult to get a good read on a candidate, subsequently making it difficult to make the right choice. So in response to that challenge, we have done a couple of things. One is we've increased the depth of our telephone screen from HR. Our HR team has been trained to dig a little deeper with the candidates before they're passing them along to the hiring manager for further review and consideration. That helps us gauge consistency with the candidate and really get a look at the value fit from the HR standpoint, as well as when the hiring manager gets involved with that individual. Uh, We are reminding our hiring managers that we look for value fit first and then skills. As we all know, training for skills is, is much simpler than trying to force someone to fit with your company's core values. All right, let's regroup. At the top of the episode, we discussed how factors, not the least of which the pandemic, ushered in a reckoning among organizations' leaders, calling into question past practices and how they're going to move forward. And within this path forward is a more human approach to leadership, one that is facilitated by technology and characterized by better communication and recognition of what workers need to thrive, both today and into their futures. And mentorship or as Joanne calls it, a coaching climate, is a huge part of this discussion. So teams have had a very long year, and to your point, they are oftentimes exhausted right now. And so one of the ways that I have seen that is very effective is to really empower the teams through a coaching climate. So what that looks like is the opposite of sort of a supervisory culture where oftentimes leaders are very busy also and, you know, have a lot going on and supervisory culture looks something like, oh, I saw you do this, you know, next time do that differently or, you know, just really giving orders and instruction. But instead, a coaching climate that empowers the teams really puts them in in the center of the observation and allows them to think about what they're doing. So there are three simple questions that you can use to start to create a coaching climate of your own as you are working with your teams. And that is to ask them the first question after an observation, something happens. So tell me about that. I know you just toured this prospective resident. What went well? What did you think went really well about that sales encounter? And then ask them the next question. Okay. And so what didn't go so well? And give them time to think and reflect. And then the third question is, what would you do differently next time? And so those three questions, using those, is a great way to empower the teams 
and to really put them in the center of the learning. It provides time for them to reflect. And sometimes they'll even come up with things that, frankly, if you were kind of giving them feedback, you probably may not have even observed. We know from experience that that the coaching climate allows our employees their humanity, and it really gives them ownership over the decisions that they're making. And we find that in a coaching climate versus a supervisory climate, our team members seem to make much better decisions in the absence of their supervisor. This industry is certainly not one for the faint of heart. (laughs) Property management is definitely a challenging uh, industry, regardless of, of the current environment. Of course, it's compounded by this. Many of our employees, they're assigned to locations where they're working at communities, and those communities are full of families uh, where people are living, and the home is the emotional hub for humans. And so one thing that this situation, this pandemic has really reminded us of is the importance of emotional intelligence and leadership. So we really started there in a way with the intention of motivating and empowering our employees. We we wanted to provide tools and resources to enhance our, our leadership's ability to really lead during such an emotionally challenging time. One way that we've done that is we've started a leadership book, a leadership development and book club, excuse me. And it goes beyond the book club and really reaches into the leadership aspect of that. And through these meetings, we're providing employees, leadership uh, in particular, and employees we've identified as potential future leaders with tools and trainings and resources to help them be very effective in their leadership. Right now, we're focusing very intensely on the uh, emotional aspect of that. And one thing we've done is we've provided everyone with a book called Emotional Agility, And we're focusing on that during this quarter. And we've introduced somebody to our teams that helps them learn mindfulness and their approach to leadership. From the very beginning, from an executive level, we had conversations where where we were very vocal about the fact that it was important to us that our employees recognize that we valued them beyond collecting rents and leasing units, that we saw their humanity. And so one way we did that We incorporated roundtables, utilizing Zoom as our vehicle, of course. And we reached out to employees all across the organization that were impacted by now having to be homeschooling parents and still being required to run successful properties. And we asked them, our leadership was present during that call, and we asked them, how can we support you in your success during this time? What is it that we can provide to you? As we mentioned at the top of the episode... When implemented correctly, technology can spur human-focused change at a company. Yes, so we have always considered ourselves to be a tech-forward company. Gozan Hartman is the co-founder and COO of Fairlawn Real Estate, which is based in Illinois. We are very much embracing everything that Appfolio releases, and we do use some other types of technology as well. But for us, really, technology is driving connectivity. So not only within our workforce, but with our residents, with our clients. And then secondly, and even more importantly, in my mind, this efficiency and and making the days better for our workforce. There are a lot of repetitive and cumbersome tasks that our team members would need to be performing every day. And so whenever we can find tools that eliminate those tasks or at least streamline them or make them easier, then it frees them up to perform more meaningful activities. 
Here's Neil again. And so our attitude is, tell us what you need. And it may not all be the same, but tell us what you need and we'll accommodate best we can so that you're able to accomplish more in less time, be more efficient, but not only just be more efficient, but be happier so that you're not doing more mundane things or repetitive things. And so we've always felt that if we can give that to staff members, they'll be more productive and they'll be happier. For us, we, we really view technology as a linking factor, almost the fabric that connects all the people and whether it's the team or tenants or with our owners. So we don't view it as, as you know, just a tool that we use like any number of tools. We really view it as a critical part of almost of our DNA. And that's why we've, we've had such a successful partnership with Atfolio, who kind of has the same philosophy uh, with their technology and, and getting feedback from their customers. For us, we've, we've really leaned into additional services from Atfolio, which we've found have been incredibly helpful and efficient. But more than anything else, it's let us focus on our people. And we really presented to them, not like, oh, here's a software product you have to learn that has a lot of negative connotations. It's really like, hey, we have the best software on the market that is really user-friendly and is going to make your job a lot easier. And it's going to make your job easier. And as we know, these jobs are very difficult. And so for us, technology sits right at the core of what we do. And we view it that it's, it's our best tool to allow us to focus on our people. Becoming the type of leader your team needs may require rethinking success. And more importantly, failure. By now, we've all heard stories of great leaders who have learned from their failures in order to unlock their company's potential. But in reality, very few of us have the luxury of experimentation, especially in a results-driven industry like property management. So what are our options? Here we return to Christy. I think it starts in the beginning where if you plan for failures in the beginning, they're not really failures. You're planning on needing to adapt. You're planning on things to not go exactly as planned. And you know that. And so it doesn't actually turn into a failure. Now, there's still going to be failures, certainly. But Harvard Business Review says 70% of change initiatives fail. So my question there would be, well, how many of those are planning on that change initiative to not go exactly as planned and to need to assess along the way, gather feedback and adapt and to communicate that strategy to those involved in the change? If you go into it and say, this is what we're going to do. These are your roles. Do it. That's change management. That's not change leadership. Change leadership is communicating all of that and then saying, and guess what? We're planning on there being some need to adjust along the way. We're looking for your feedback, your input, how to make sure that as we're going along this change, we're adjusting it to make sure it's a success. So here are the avenues of communication. This is how we want to assess, how we want to gather feedback from you so that we can adjust along the way and make this solution more impactful. That's change leadership. And I think the result of that is technically fewer failures. Yeah, and I would guess that obviously I think any group that you look back at right now, if they do see the last year, they will be able to see places where they learned and be able to compare where they were a year ago to where they were today. And I think a good leader would take the opportunity to have a, a meeting with their team to talk about that, as you mentioned, and, and point out 
here's where we experience bumps, but here is all the growth that we were able to achieve over the past year. And this growth now opens the door for us to look at these additional areas that we can expand to, progress on. Special thanks to the many industry experts who helped us make season two, episode one of the Top Floor a success. Neil Cadman, Amy Miller, Brooks Baskin, Christy Dobbins, Joanne Chapman Reps, Angela Garrison, and Gozen Hartman. And thank you for joining us. During this season of The Top Floor, we're going to continue to cover topics related to people-centered change within the property management industry. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to The Top Floor. For more property management insights, visit us at appfolio.com. And don't forget to subscribe to The Top Floor on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. We'll see you next time.